Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. If I don't sound like I normally do, that's because I don't. I'm normally not a second base, but today I am. But that's all right. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about investing in what matters. And for those of you that know what I do for a living, know we're not going to be talking about um, a lot of investment concepts today. But instead, we're going to be talking about how to set our perspectives on what truly matters in life. So you remember the movie The Bucket List, 2007. Honestly, I never saw the movie. I read the IMDb and all the information about it, so I know what it's about. It was Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, and they meet in a hospital. They're both being treated for terminal cancer. And one of them is working on a list of things they want he wants to do before he kicks the bucket. He calls it his bucket list. And so they go on this grand adventure to do all the things on their bucket list. Now, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the movie. There's a lot of inappropriate things in it. But it did promote a certain movement around writing a list of life goals to be accomplished before you die. So you, you can get on the internet now, and there's whole websites devoted to this bucket list concept, this concept of writing down the things that you want to accomplish before you die, which I kind of find fascinating because it's like people need to figure out something interesting to do with their lives that without prompting, that you couldn't figure out on your own something interesting to do. I just find that interesting. And most of these are about me. They're about being able to tell someone else, look what I've done. You know, I can, I can check off the boxes. I know people that have gone to all uh, of the national parks. Cool. That, there's nothing wrong with that. I know people that have gone to all 50 states. Cool. Or... They want to go to as many countries as they possibly can. You know, there's 190, something like that. Um, and those are that have, they can check off North Korea and places like that. Good on you. That's you. You go. You, you do you. But all of these carry a, 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 a very important realization. And that is that we're all working with limited time. We're all one day will die. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 9. That's why they're called bucket lists, because there are things you do. It's a list of things you do before you kick the bucket, right? But that idea actually comes from Scripture. So look at Ephesians chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Walk circumspectly or wisely, not as fools, but as wise. Walk smartly day by day. Are you walking smartly day by day? Are you making good decisions day by day? Or is it somehow a whirlwind of chaos in your life? I mean, 2,000 years ago, Paul recognized that there were things that needed to be done in order to walk wisely. 
because the days are full of trouble. And so coming out of the pandemic, I think it's fitting for us to talk about making the most of our time. And that could include making bucket lists, but from a biblical perspective. And I think Jesus gives us a perspective on that. Corbin read for us this morning. He said Jesus did, he's, 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 he's in the Sermon on the Mount, lots and lots of wisdom being um, spread, if you will, at that time. And he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in. Some translations say break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We're going to come back to that word mammon uh, here in a moment. But what Jesus is doing here is giving some unexpected investment advice. If you think about it, he's comparing a shaky investment with something of true value. Jesus invites us to think about and, and compare the difference between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. A really weak investment versus an investment that can't be lost. So, like a good financial advisor, Jesus points out the characteristics of treasure on earth that makes it a poor investment. The first thing is it's temporary. You see, as financial advisors, we talk about the, the benefits of diversifying. Fancy word for don't have all your eggs in one basket. The, it means you spread out your investments rather than having them all in one place. Don't just buy stock in Apple. Also invest in bonds. Don't just have tech stocks. Also have non-tech stocks. Don't, and maybe you also have real estate or precious metals or other things. Why? Because spreading the investments out reduces the risk of losing it all if that one thing goes away. I've mentioned this before, but our, our brother Farmer Hauk, some of you may remember Farmer. Farmer passed away a number of years ago. He told the story about four livery stables being on the corner of Maine and Porter. Maine and Porter, Norman, Oklahoma. Four livery stables. How many livery stables are there in the state of Oklahoma at this point? Much less the country or the world. No need for them. How many buggy whip manufacturers exist? Not very many. In the beginning of the 20th century, in the first 20 years, did you know that there were over 100 automobile manufacturers in the U.S.? Over 100. How many are there now? Three and a half. Ford, Tesla, GM, and Chrysler, Fiat, that conglomeration. That's not, that's not U.S. anymore. Not as many. Things change. Sometimes for the good, sometimes not. Remember the largest retailer in the world for decades? Who was that? 
Who was the largest retailer in the world? Sears. Sears Roba. I don't know that there's any of them in the state of Oklahoma anymore. There's only a couple hundred stores in the country. It used to be thousands. Then they were t their, their place was taken by Walmart in 1990, and they've been eclipsed by now Amazon, and on it goes. But again, these concepts are not new. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Many of us are heaping up riches, and we don't know who's going to harvest. We don't know who's going to gain from them. Solomon said, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wing. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. These concepts are captured there in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus is talking about that stuff on earth won't last. That something's going to eat it. It might be worms, Jesus said. It might be rust or corrosion. But no matter what it is, it's going to happen. So speaking of eating, are you, have you ever heard of a truffle? A truffle is a rare and expensive fungus that grows underground and it has to be hunted out with specially trained dogs or even pigs. They've got a really sensitive sense of smell. And the most expensive, it's the most expensive food you can eat, pound for pound. The, the most expensive one was found, it was about two and a half pounds. It was worth over $400,000. Well, earlier, about 2004, 2005, something like that, there was a, a, a really large truffle, not the largest, but close, about two pounds, that would cost around $47,000 today. So the restaurant owner... Um, found it and or bought it, I should say, and put it on display. They were and they and they sh they sold um, shavings of it or were going to sell shavings of it to uh, rich people and and celebrities were coming to to partake in this in this truffle. So they they had it on display for a few days and they put it in a refrigerated safe for about four or five days for the the big unveiling. Well, they opened the refrigerator, opened the safe, and it had rotted. Now. Maybe you know biology better than I do, but I didn't know that a fungus could rot. But it did. It was worthless. It was worthless. I, I just find that ironic to point out that a fungus would rot and to point out that material stuff doesn't last. Even left to its own. Even if no rust comes to it, no worm eats it, it just went away. But beyond that, Material stuff on earth is going to be affected by other people's actions. Jesus talked about how thieves steal things. Uh, it, the, 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 the literal Aramaic that he used was uh, dig through and steal. He, uses, he talks about breakthrough. And we typically think about breaking as breaking a window or kicking in the door or something. Well, back in those days, the, the, the walls were made out of mud, mud bricks, and they would literally dig through. In fact, the Greeks called uh, burglars mud diggers. They would dig through the wall and steal your stuff. So the materials have changed today, but really the problem hasn't. Because no matter what you do, the stuff here on earth will be affected by what other people do.
your identity is going to be stolen by some guy in Uzbekistan who's going to buy a computer in Bombay. Your new car is going to get keyed in the parking lot. Or a rogue shopping cart is going to come winding its way through and hit your car. And by the way, in Oklahoma, watch your car doors. When you open your car door, the wind's going to catch it. And it's going to hit the car next to you. Just be careful of that, right? We know that in Oklahoma. It's a kind of the, one of the things that we, we catch on to pretty quickly. Your house is going to be robbed. Someone's going to steal your cell phone, blah, blah, blah. The odds of something like that happening right here in Norman, Oklahoma, are 1 in 25 on an annual basis. There's a 20, 1 in 25% chance, 1 in 25 chance, I should say, that something like that is going to happen. So what do you do? Well, you lock it. You hide it. You insure it. You, you carry it with you. You set an alarm. You take all kinds of measures to assure that stuff doesn't get stolen. And what happens? Someone steals it. Or if it's your cell phone, you drop it and break it. So wouldn't it be great to find an investment that's guaranteed never to lose value? In my 30 years of doing what I do, all, all the time people are asking me, I want something that makes a lot of money and, and is guaranteed not to lose. Jesus had that answer. I don't have that answer. Jesus said to make investments in heaven because that's what is unshakable. That's what's unbreakable. That's what's unstealable. Look at this passage in Hebrews. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. God wanted us to know then and now to remember that this world and all that it's in it is going to be removed. The only things that will remain are the unshakables. No moths, no rust, no thieves. Nothing to rot, nothing to pass away, and no one's going to take it from us. In fact, there's only one kind of investment that's guaranteed to be burglar-proof. Notice this passage here in Luke, Luke 10. Now it happened as they went that he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I could stop right there and preach a, a whole sermon. We'll go on. She said, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. What a beautiful message of Jesus to say she has chosen the best thing, and that is to listen to my word, to listen to the bread of life, the water, the, the living water, the, all of the things that he described himself as, that those things won't be taken away from her. Because the one needed thing her attention 
to her life before Jesus. That's what she was paying attention to. Are you paying attention to that very thing? To your life before Jesus? Because we will give an account and Jesus will be our judge. How will you answer? You see, no one could take away what she had invested in that day. What are you investing in? What are you investing? Your time, your talents, your resources, your gifts, your, your challenges, your opportunities. All of the things that you have been given, how are you investing them? Because your net worth, your assets, minus your liabilities, that bottom line, is not going to be measured in dollars and cents before Jesus. The rich young uh, ruler went away sorrowful because he was very rich. He went away sorrowful from Jesus' uh, teaching of what he needed to do to be in good standing. The rich farmer built and built and built and tore down his old barns, built bigger barns. And, and God said, you fool, for this night your soul will be demanded of you. You see, investing where it matters is the only way to be sure that your life won't be a waste. Are you investing in other people? This is not just about your own personal Bible study. That's absolutely part of it. But are you investing in other people? Are you investing in things that help other people? Brother Dustin Gaskins had, had a, a fantastic message on that a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard that, please go back and listen to that where he talked about, in effect, investing in other people. It's not just for yourself. But Jesus didn't leave it there. He said there's more to this than just keeping what you invest and not losing it. There's also what it does to you inwardly. You see, Jesus was not interested in just getting a bunch of people to be wise and moral. He's not standing at the front of the room just teaching you how to... Um, think and grow rich. Remember Napoleon Hill. He's not just teaching you the seven habits of, a high, of highly effective people, Stephen Covey, both of which ripped off Jesus, but I'll go, that's another day. What he is wanting is a bunch of people that who, uh, that who they are is because they've been changed. They've been changed on the inside. They've been changed to live a new life. Their hearts and their minds have been changed. Because investing in what matters gets your heart in the right place. But see, there's a problem with our heart. Notice what Jeremiah said. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One of the other translations says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You ever use the phrase, well, my heart just wasn't into it. Or his, his heart clearly is not into it. What does that mean? His heart's not into it. Your heart's not into it. Well, in a job, it means someone who's not doing their best. In a relationship, it means someone who's not really interested in making it work. In a meeting, it's someone who's distracted and not giving it their full attention. 
the boy that's been easy to see on Zoom meetings for over the last year and a half, isn't it? People doing all kinds of things. Cats walking across in front of the, you know, the screen, the, 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 the camera, etc. You're in a choir or a band. It means you might be playing or singing the, the right notes, but that's about as far as it goes. Corbin, we call that vertical accuracy, not horizontal accuracy. It's called being accurate with each note, but you're not being musical. I don't think that's a, a, a term or a terminology that's too foreign from us. So, in other words, are you singing the right words, maybe singing the right notes? And I don't mean literally singing. I mean in life. But you're not really interested in being musical. You're not really interested in what it takes to live a more fulfilled service to God. In parenting, it means you're really not concerned your, uh, uh, with the future of your children. You say, well, of course I'm concerned about the future of my children. Really? Really? I hear people all the time complain about how busy they are and how many activities they have. Yeah, we've got to take, we've got to take our son to football practice on Friday night, and then he's got, a, he's got baseball games all weekend, uh, and then we've got practice four days this next week, and, 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 and then the cycle keeps going and keeps going. Okay. They're going to be a great athlete. What's the likelihood they're going to get a scholarship? It ain't very high. What's the likelihood that if they are a good athlete, they're going to go professional? Infinitesimally small. But their soul will be required to give an account before Jesus. Are you investing in what matters? Having your heart not in it, if you're a leader, it means that you're content with mediocrity. If you're a follower, it means you're willing to let someone else carry the load. In your spiritual walk, it means someone that's really not giving God the place he deserves in our life. Is your heart in it? You see, those descriptions are not a pretty picture. But Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment in Luke 10 Starts out with love the Lord your God with all your heart. So what we all need is some way to get our hearts in the right place. And that's what part of what Jesus is telling us here. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you leave food on the counter, there will be ants. Where Batman is, there's Robin. Where there's lightning, there's thunder. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's what Jesus is saying. One follows the other. And your heart is somewhere too. And so is mine. Your heart is where you've put your treasure. Where is that? Where is your treasure? And I don't necessarily mean dollars and cents. You, you might say, well, I'm good because I don't have any money. That's not what he's saying. Because that treasure, where your heart is, can be any number of things. So I want to challenge you to take an honest look at your heart today. Where should it be? Is your heart given completely to God?
first given completely to God. We, we stopped reading in Matthew chapter 6 before we got to the very end of the chapter in, in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Is your heart tied up in places and things that can't possibly last? We just we talked earlier about certain industries that have completely changed. We talked about certain companies that have completely changed. I'm actually on a Facebook group that talks about the history of Norman. And for uh, all the time, there's people that are posting things. Hey, you remember that store that used to be on the corner of such and such and such? And such? Yeah, I remember that store. I used to go there with my granddad, blah, blah, blah. I mean, over and over and over. And I've been here 35, 36 years. Some of you have been here a lot longer than that. You, you grew up here, perhaps. And you remember how things used to be. Things change, don't they? Sometimes much more quickly than we like. But maybe that your heart is somewhere that it shouldn't be. Remember, Jeremiah told us that it's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. If we follow our heart, how many graduates you think this past week or so have been told, follow your heart? That is a lie. And that is short-sighted. Because I guarantee you my 18-year-old heart was going in a way different direction than my 53-year-old heart. Immature brain, thankfully no money, otherwise I'd have been in real trouble. It's quite possible that our hearts need to be moved today. It's quite possible that you are thinking today, what do I need to do to move it to where it should be? The answer is to invest in what matters. I don't have all the answers for that here today. I'm not going to present that uh, all of that today. But investing your treasure in the right places will help your heart be where it should be. Where are you going? Coming out of the pandemic, many of us have looked and said, there are some things that were in my life. There were some things that were going on that I've decided to change. I've decided to let go of. And in many cases, that's a positive thing. Things that we were in the habit of, routine of, and just go, 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 go. And we've said, wait a minute, I don't need that. Now the question is where, what, who, when, how will you do those things? There's basically one issue at stake. It's what Jesus boiled it down to here in Matthew chapter 6. When it's all said and done, where you put your treasure and where your heart will be depends on whom you will serve. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I said I'd come back to that word mammon. Some translations call it money, but it's really more than that. It's an Aramaic word for wealth, but it's wealth personified. So stick with me here just for a minute. Do you remember Columbia Pictures and, and uh, the Lady Liberty? It's not the Liberty. It's not Lady Liberty as in New York Harbor. That's Columbia. That's her name. That is America personified. It's, it's the face of America. Like Aflac, it's a duck. Okay, that's their insurance personified. It's a duck. Good on them. But mammon is wealth 
in all of its um, characteristics. It's not just dollars and cents. It's everything that goes with it. Prestige, power, choices, opportunities, blessings, challenges, curses, everything that goes with it. And what Jesus is saying here is you cannot serve God and mammon. What are you serving? Whom are you serving? You see, some people serve themselves by trying to satisfy some craving. We call that addiction. It could be to food. It could be to drugs. It could be to alcohol. It could be to entertainment. It could be to any number of things. But we cannot serve God and wealth. You see, that's not just a command. It's not just good advice. It's actually a mathematical fact. One plus one does not equal one. So what will you do to start your own personal bucket list? And I don't mean just visiting the all of the national parks and all those kinds of things. I'm talking about specific ways to invest in what matters. What will you do starting today to make it something that can be accomplished and even reported should you choose to? Not for your own vainglory, but so that we can kick this bucket of mediocre living. Many, many Christians, many Christians are caught in this cycle of of mediocrity of being having just enough Jesus to make you miserable because it's enough to make you guilty it's enough to make you feel bad and I'm not trying to do that today I'm trying to point you to Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith he is the great physician he is the healer he is the answer I'm not mammon is not wealth is not money is not activities are not etc. What are you doing or what will you do leaving here to determine where you will, whom you will serve, which ultimately determines where we will spend eternity. Who are you serving now and who do you want to serve? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's saying that in comparison to the weight of what we're carrying in the world. <coughs> the weight that the world wants you to carry. So as we end today, answer the question for yourself. Who it is that you're serving and who do you want to serve? Sorry again for my low voice, although it's uh, we've made it through. We've made it through. Today, if you realize that you are serving something or someone that is not the Lord, Jesus died to repair the relationship between you and God. 
no matter what's broken that relationship, no matter what the specific sin or sins were, it doesn't matter. He took all of those burdens upon himself at the cross. He took all of the weight of the sin and the guilt of the sin upon himself in order to provide a way for us to live eternally with him and the Father in heaven. And he's gone to prepare a mansion for us. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. But that's what he's gone on to prepare. If you realize that your heart is not in the right place, or you need to begin your spiritual walk today by being obedient in baptism, please let us know as we sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com normanchurch.com normanchurch.com